Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network and streaming live on YouTube for all of you folks at home. We're looking forward to interacting with you on the chat. My name is Gary Morgan. I am your host. With me, as always, is my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? Doing good, man. May is over, Gary. As we like to say, as Pirate fans, we're very badly burnt, but we're still <laughs> alive. And uh, let's turn the page. Yes, we made it through. We're still in positive territory. And speaking of positive territory... We're going to introduce a brand new guest to the show. His name is David McBride. I won't bury the lead. He's a good dude. Um, (laughs) He's a talented guy, musician. He's got some good music. You can actually go check out. Um, He's got a podcast called digging Oak Island, which is funny because this is kind of how Dave and I came to know each other. I am a nerd. Just (laughs) dear listeners. I am a nerd. I watch digging oak island at the curse of oak island i love it (laughs) i love it i'm obsessed with the mystery i love solving it i love trying to solve it i love just watching it and dave's show is kind of a recap slash retelling of how the editors are screwing up the show and i love it (laughs) i love it so much um Come to find out he's a Pirates fan, too, and it just seemed like a great fit because we've been talking a lot online. So, Dave, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you so much for having me. I've been listening ever since I this show became available to me. I've been listening to it because I'm not in Pittsburgh. So, I, you know, it's tough to find good Pirates coverage. This is the best. So, uh, certainly, thank you so much for having me on. Right, I appreciate man. that, man. Yeah. Amazing. Looking forward to it. So, we're going to talk first, I think, about... Can the Pirates turn the page here in June? I mean, Jim, I think the best way for us to go here is to probably talk about some ways we think they could turn it around quickly and some things we see as things in the way. So let's start with the good things. What do you think is on the cusp of changing to turn this ship around in June? Well, I I think right away you can take a look at maybe the schedule. Um, and, and right away say, okay, there, there might be some ways to catch your breath there. Um, a, a, they certainly can't play much worse than May. So there's, you know, there's that, (laughs) but you know, in June, like, um, and this is, uh, I, I will give credit towards due, uh, 
our buddy Michael from the 412 Double Play podcast kind of broke it down. And you're looking at they've got teams with a collective 441 winning percentage in June. They get the uh, A's in there, so that helps. But there's also some important games. We've got six against the Cubs. We've got three against the Brewers. We've got three against the Cardinals. So we better start playing better, at least in those division games, right away. So I just look at the schedule. I think, you know, the Marlins are in there. Yes, they're, they've been playing well, but they're winning all their games. So I seemingly one run every night. So right there is where I would start and say, okay, well, maybe they can get their bearings a little bit there. All right, Dave, what are you seeing? I mean, you've been yeah. watching the games. I mean, are they trending in the right direction for you? Yeah. Is there anybody you see on the cusp of coming together? I would have set, started off exactly with what Jim just said. I mean, even so, so take it another step back and look at that schedule they had in May. I mean, Tampa and the Blue Jays and the Orioles and the D-backs and the Rangers. I mean, these are all the hot teams in, in Major League Baseball. Right. And because of this new schedule... This new way of doing the the scheduling. This is who we're playing now. So it's like, and it, didn't it seem like everybody's ace started <laughs> against us? We did well against the aces. It felt like though. we did better <laughs> against their aces. Yeah, <laughs> that was the weird thing about yeah, it. Yeah, but then, but but we every time, like every time you looked up, when's Mitch Keller pitching? He's pitching against somebody with a one point eight ERA and you know, <laughs> yeah. fifty strikeouts in forty innings or whatever it is. So you're right. I, I, it was a, it was a difficult schedule. It was a difficult time. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They didn't play well in a lot of games, but you know, if you think about it and you go through those, those series that they played really only, what, what do you expect? I mean, I think, many, those, I think having, Tampa, uh, uh, honestly, how many in Tampa or Toronto do we expect them to win? Maybe two yeah. of those six games. They won one. Or I didn't win any or whatever it is. So they're only really like two or three games away from what we would expect anyway. Right. So I I don't know how, how bad I I felt about it. I do think that having 16 games at home is nice for June, um, especially after a month like that. So Gary, what, what, what jumps out at you right away? I mean, my first, my head immediately goes to, well, Kutch and Reynolds in June are usually ridiculous. And good point. Yeah. I, I mean, they are both looking like they're just starting to heat up again. Right. I mean, just the last couple games, they look like they're really kind of swing a bat a bit, a lot better, taking better approach at the plate. Kutch was getting a little bit outside of his, himself and reaching for sliders there for a couple of weeks. And now he's back to right on it, taking his walks. Reynolds is being more selective and taking better swings. I just think, those two are kind of going to drive this train a little bit. I worry mostly about the pitching staff right now. Uh, I don't know about Rowanzi and what his situation is right this second and what Ortiz is. So that's my, my kind of negative side of things. And while I do think that the collective record is interesting, there's something different about playing division games. The Cardinals yeah. are still, no matter where they are in the standings, are still the white whale for the Pirates. And you have to take them down. And, and, you know, we split a series against them earlier when we were hotter than hot. And they were anything but. So if they don't scare no. you, you probably haven't watched the Pirates very long. Yeah, and think, then you got the Cubbies. 
You got you've got twelve games in there. You really can't afford to just give away. The three against the A's, you, you need to win those games. Sure. I mean, they're awful, historically awful. And then you've got those nine divisional games in there. And I think, you know, you 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 can't play poorly against the division. So I think you start right there. It's interesting, Gary. You said about the pitching being the worrisome part because it was the offense that boy. In May, I mean, they just everything fell off a cliff. So um, they're going to be better. They're they have to be better offensively. So let's hope there's a middle ground there. So Dave, here's a big question from my friend Douglas: How do you improve in June without promoting Henry Henry or a trade? Uh, All right. So we know these are the these are what everybody wants to see. And here's the the wonderful thing. We also know Andy's probably going to get promoted in June at some point. So maybe July. I mean, it's probably going to happen. I would say between the 15th and the 20th, that super two f- number should be right in there somewhere. I think you're probably looking at if that's what this is really about, Andy Rodriguez coming up. I don't see them skipping Henry right now up mm. over him. No. So, to me, that's that's really the only cavalry I see coming right now. What do what do you see? How do they improve if they don't change anything? Listen, I, I feel like sometimes we have to get past people like Owings and Palacios and guys like this who I just feel are not um, not guys of the future, <laughs> right? And I I, I don't I. I I'm an old school baseball guy, right? I mean, I'm an old school baseball guy. We're going to let out your dirty little secret at some point. This and, show, and I, by the way, And this whole thing of running a different lineup out there every day that so many people, so many teams do now, because that's what the computer tells them to do. I don't know how to work with that. <laughs> you know, in my time coaching the sport too, I don't know how to work with that. I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know why we insist on doing that stuff. I think, like you said, my answer to this question would be, God, you, Kutch and, and Reynolds feel like they're about to explode. And if they do, you're okay. It really stinks losing Cruz when they did. I was at that game. That was tough to watch. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure how much faith I have. You know, I've, I've been saying forever, you need one other guy. You know, you, need right. Kutch, you got Kutch, you got Reynolds. You need one other guy to step up into that, into that role and to be that. Hopefully Carlos Santana comes back and gets gets a little hot. G Man yeah. Troy gets a, gets gives us a little something. I mean, I think there are people on the way in June that are going to help that are not Andy Rodriguez, who I I he's not coming up. I don't think until the All Star break. That's my guess. But um, I, you know. Hey, it's as good a guess as anybody. Canaan Smith and Jigba maybe gets another shot through this. If these guys can't get through, I mean, there's, I don't know how Swaggart he's doing. I haven't looked at his stats in a while down there, but I mean, there's got to be options. And I, I kind of always felt we got to get past the um, retread <laughs> guys just a hey. little bit. I understand why they're there. I get their point. I get, I get the reason why you have these guys, but um I think we just kind of get past the Drew Maggies of the world and, and, you know, and let's give him a shot. <laughs> It'd be nice to have a catch, be nice to have a catcher who's catching, who can hit just a little bit. That would be nice. Let's yeah. take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about another player that I think is pretty key to this turnaround. If it's going to happen. 
At DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, so we are back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim and Dave with me, Gary, and we're ready to talk a little bit more about potentially turning this ship around in June. And the question that I think we all need to discuss right now, we've brought him up multiple times, Jim. I'm Mm going to start with Dave because I want a fresh opinion. (laughs) What do we do? If we made a mistake with Cabrian Hayes here, is it possible to have made a mistake with Cabrian Hayes? Is the glove so good that that contract just simply is good no matter how good he hits? Yeah. Or at some point, are they going to need somebody at third base who is contributing offensively? Because thus far, he's not. No, he's not. Um, and he looks a little lost, certainly through some of these games at the plate. Uh, he didn't, you know, I, I feel like he's trying something different. He's trying to bring in sort of a Derek Jeter quality to the way he's hitting or something like that. He's trying not to rely on power. Maybe he's admitting to himself that he doesn't have it. So he's trying to kind of be more of a contact hitter, um, which I don't mind. A, a contact hitter with who can run like him is great. I think you're in a no lose here, though, even if this guy is plateaus at a 250 hitter with the contract he has and the glove he has i mean that's not a big contract guys i mean that's it's not a big contract to you a former yankee fan (laughs) oh there it is there it is gary just gary just spilled the tea all over all over the set this is part of the exploration though because what david is, is saying here is absolutely true 
Brian Hayes' contract in the greater scheme of things is not big, guys. It's just not. not I know it was a record a couple of years ago for the Pirates, the Pirates. <laughs> but it was a record for the Pirates. And, and all it really does is speak to how pathetic it's really been here as far as that aspect of team building goes. So that contract is fine for a player like that. Problem is for the Pirates to pay that kind of a contract you typically expect superstar. <laughs> we just don't do this very often. So Jim, it's not an albatross contract. Like I keep seeing people put on social media. No. Dave is dead, right? That there's it's no, not a big deal. There's no risk with it. As far as like what you gave him to what you're going to get out of him. Certainly. That, that said, Jim, in all sincerity at third base, is this bat production going to be enough or is he potentially the type of player that yes, you realize that contract is not bad, but he's maybe not a starter. If you have something better come along at third base or maybe to get over the top, you need something better offensively at third base. I'm only, I'm only putting it out there because they are tied to him for quite some time. And if he's not playing in the field, then that contract is a waste of money, right? But you may very well need to stick somebody there. Like what if Castro really takes off and so does Nick Gonzalez and so does O'Neill Cruz? Well, aren't you going to want to play Castro somewhere? Like maybe third base where his power plays. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, layers to it. And this isn't about hating Hayes. Let's just know this isn't a hating session. No, every, every time I see Hayes, I want him to do well. Every time I hear him, I think he's a smart young guy that is, is all about the team. Um, But the reality is reality. He, you know, the, the bat is light. It's, 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 and I know people want to point to all the, the, the metrics and the statistics and, He's always in these outlier categories, and I, I I posed this question the other day, and you know, is there something that we're just not measuring that 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 would yeah. make more sense of it? Because I think we're now getting to the point where clearly there is something that's not getting kind of there's not getting measured and quantified. Um, you, you know. Back to your original kind of posing the question. I there's look, there's like there's like ten teams in baseball that wouldn't even think twice about they'd love to have Cabrian Hayes. This would be a just a side contract on a team that you're piecing together to be a championship type team. But we all know those dollars don't get stretched like they gotta stretch further here, whether by choice or by limitations. Or both. So part of it comes down to how much of these other hitting prospects and guys we have, how much can they carry the load? And then you're, and then you're more comfortable with just Hayes uh, doing like, like letting Hayes be Hayes. So there's some unanswered elements to it too. It's a, it's a tough question, man. It really is. It really is because on one hand, as a Pirates fan, you know, and 
you you feel elated that they held on to somebody and they finally made a good a, a decision. This guy's part of it, and I love what he does in the field. It's unquestionably the best third base play there is in the league. Mm-hmm. Period. Really is. Um, at the plate though, I just don't know that a corner infielder can can be that anemic right now. But especially when first base is still a question. But what if you're if you include a shortstop who can hit 40 home runs in that same lineup? I mean, that doesn't happen in a lot. So if you if you're you got to take the left side. It used to not happen a lot. I know, but it happens a lot now. I know, but it but it's you 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 have that there. And the other thing about Brian Hayes is he was never touted as a great bat. I mean, his his coming up. I don't think anybody thought this guy was going to be the greatest hitter in baseball. I mean, that was never part of his MO. I mean, he was a he's a great glove, a good hitter, fast. He had a lot of tools, right? But this was never going to be a power hitter. This was never this was never going to be at least I never got that impression with him. I know I hope I, the hope I, was that he was a gap power guy. And, and granted he has to be better yeah. than what he's doing now. For yeah, sure. Right. But it does really look when you watch him play and when you watch him at bat now, he's not seeing the ball well for whatever reason. He's not taking many. He's watching a lot of strikes. Mm-hmm. He's not taking a lot of pitches outside that he should be taking. His his walk ratio is really down as far as I can tell, just from eyeballing him. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can't imagine he has more than, you know, yeah, he's not, he's not walking a lot, long, right? He's not. I mean, this is not he's not doing that, which means he's not seeing the ball well. He seems like a candidate for a guy to get somebody in to help him out and somebody separate to kind of help work with him every day and try to get through it. I mean, you know, Roberto Clemente used to say the only way you get out of a slump is by swinging at three pitches every at bat. Like, don't don't sit there with your bat on your shoulders. You know, you get 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 out there and swing and make some contact and get into the game a little bit. It seems like he's doing that <laughs> instead of maybe trying to see the ball a little bit better. So I. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, Jim, I think it's fair to say that no matter what you think of Andy Haynes, he's not helping Cabrian Hayes. I don't think that 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 has been a good marriage. Um, Clearly, Marrero is not overriding whatever Haynes is telling Cabrian Hayes to do. They've been working on this launch angle thing for two seasons now. They have worked on changing his uh, approach for the inside out swing that he tends to have naturally. They've tried to change all that and have him pull the ball more. It feels to me like they get to a certain point with him and then he just naturally reverts. I feel like that's exactly what he's done. He's naturally reverted. Gary, and that happens, right? And we're not just baseball. You know, you go back to what you know sometimes and what you feel comfortable with, even if it's not working, because I think that's just human nature, Um, especially when you're not seeing the results that you wanted with whatever it is you are trying to do and whatever, you know, whatever, you know, you're trying to get accomplished. I mean, he, listen, Guys, his his on base percentage this year is two seventy three. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes the speed not matter. I mean, like there there's so much offensive potential there, just from cleaning some things up. It's it's very frustrating to watch because 
I don't think that that kid gets outworked. You know what I mean? I don't think I don't this think is a has, kid yeah, has that anything. isn't trying like hell to figure things out. If anything, and, and I mean, uh, the Fort just proposed this on the pregame about a week ago, and then I was texting back and forth with them the other day, and he said the same thing. Just thinks maybe Key's almost one of those guys who's just too smart, and he just can't stay out of his head. You know, and, and that happens. But if if so, Jim, I'm sorry. I think like tw- come 2025 or 2026 or whenever you feel like they're going to be in it, third base to me is going to be an upgrade target, regardless of having him signed, because I think you're going to want some offensive potential there. He could play yeah. anywhere. He could play anywhere in the infield too. So I mean, if that's the case, sure. and he ends up being a, a, a you know a utility guy, you're going to have a phenomenal utility guy in that if you end up getting you know if nick gonzalez turns into a great hitter you play at second and you find another third baseman to play over there i mean and again at what he's making a year for many of the teams that's utility guy numbers folks (laughs) i mean that's not yeah that's not middle of the order star numbers let's let pittsburgh sports all the time help us sum up this Cabrian Hayes conversation because I totally agree with this. Am I the only one that found Cabrian Hayes triple funny? This guy constantly hits the ball hard for outs. And then he hits a little slow roll down the line for a triple. (laughs) He's so right. Yeah. So right. That's the game of baseball, man. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And, it's it's just a mess. I mean, since we've, been, since we've been talking about this, I popped up his statistics. The last 15 games, he's got 63 at-bats and one walk. Yeah. That's yeah. a guy who's just not – the approach is wrong. I, I agree with the with your uh, – with that uh, con- that statement there, because he has been hitting the ball. When he hits the ball, he has been hitting the ball contact. You hope that maybe the luck just isn't going his way, and he'll find you know, and he'll start to find some holes, start hitting them where they ain't. But you know, it just and, seems like his approach is bad now. Well, here's what's interesting too is when you start looking at his career, guys. Almost everything that we we tend to pay attention to now has gone down every year. Every year, whether it's a lot or a little, every year you're seeing it keep going down. I'm talking on base percentage, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, mm. batting out, everything keeps going down. So it, 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 at some point, you got to try something different. I don't think you can do it in the middle of the season because you're then you're, then you're asking a guy to, you, but but I I would maybe endorse something where when you get to the offseason, you, you have to do a, a, a major, major retooling. And I know that that the sounds... The thing is, I believe he tried to this summer already. Well, he went maybe, to IMG and, and worked on his swing all summer. Then maybe Away from Andy one. Haynes and, and tried to recreate it. He had the launch angle thing working in the spring. Again, once he starts to see major league pitching... He reverts because he's comfortable with that inside-out swing. He's comfortable with that opposite field approach because that's what daddy taught him. And and that's what he keeps doing. He goes to IMG, learns, comes to spring training, looks like beast mode for a minute, gets into the major league season, and boom, revert. 
They just had him back to where he was about two weeks ago, pounding the ball all over the field, still not falling, but pounding the ball three out of four at bats. He's hitting the ball over 90 miles an hour. So it's not like he wasn't hitting it, but he's right back to revert to the inside out swing. As soon as he hits some adversity, balls aren't falling panics right back to it. If he can hit 250 with an inside out swing, I'd let him do it. I don't disagree with that, but I think as soon as he employs that inside out swing, the thing is he's super easy to avoid throw Damn. balls outside. He can't hit them. Yeah. And the, and the thing is you take away that first, you know, glimpse we saw of him. Dave, he hasn't even been a two fifty hitter. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I know. So I, I, I don't problem. It's just yeah. a problem. And and listen, because I love making our guests as maximally um, uncomfortable as possible, especially on their first time, <laughs> Dave is a very positive person. So the last segment, I'm going to let be positive. This one is not going to be. Okay. We're going to talk about Cabrian Hayes, and we're going to talk about this. Pittsburgh sports all the time again. I don't want to start the podcast off on a bad note, but why is Chris Owings still on this roster? Jim, we're seeing this all over yeah. social media. He People stinks. are complaining. Okay. Can we just every every team has a worst player. <laughs> but tell me for real. Uh, I mean, I think I have a good handle on this. I got a pretty extensive piece coming out about it here any minute now. Um, Chris Owings is still here because whoever would replace him isn't going to play much. Right? That's pretty much the bottom line. Anybody that they would replace him with is literally going to rot on the bench. That's what that's what Josh Van Meter was all about last year. That's what it's all about, guys. I wish he had been more, Dave. I really I, I understand. Yeah, that they that, played him a little too much there, but, because they want to yeah. have guys. They don't want to do this to Nick Gonzalez. They don't. They right. want to have a guy who slots in every once in a while. They just need to find one that like can do something. Yeah. But I mean, what do you think, Jim? Is there another reason? Do you think they should move on from him? I know he's not good. I never thought he was good in spring, even when he was hitting the ball. I mean, I, I was just joking on Twitter today. I was fighting with the same people in spring that he was not good and not somebody that you want to go north that are now saying that he is the worst thing that ever happened to this team and has to go. The same people. Yeah. Well, he's definitely become the punching bag, right? The 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 man of the hour as far as the 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 guy pirate fans love to hate. I mean, he stinks. Uh, there's no way to get around that. The thing is, though, he's really not playing much. I mean, I know it's bats since May. 8th. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I know. I, look, I know um, those those at bats can come up in critical situations, and he's really fallen on his face, even trying to bunt. In some of those situations, you know, things you would hope that, man, if you can't offer anything else, at least be able to put a bunt down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he hasn't even been able to do that. Fortunately, he's not going to play a lot. I don't see him playing much. I know it sucks when the Pirates release the lineup and we see him and Hedges is, you know, we know what Hedges is offensively. Uh, Those are hard lineups to swallow. I get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just don't see him getting many at bats from now until whenever they flick him off the windshield here. I would agree with you, but Dave, I think it's fair to say we've been seeing him used in a platoon role with Tukapita. 
And I don't understand that because if, if you go back into Capita's history, he's kind of got reverse splits. The guy hits lefties just fine. Yeah. So I'm not necessarily sure I understand why we're taking the superior athlete off and putting the inferior one in as frequently as we are. I understand Tukey can't play every game. I mean, listen, guys, <laughs> I, I don't want to make, I don't want to go on too much about somebody like Chris Owings because we all know that when O'Neill Cruz is back a month and a half from now, we're not going to see Chris Owings anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, he's not. He's not going to be there. So I, we we could expend a lot of energy talking about how terrible he is and what he does, but all I can tell you is that that he serves the same purpose that Josh Van Meter served, which is exactly how you started it off. Which is, you can't do this to Nick Gonzalez. You can't do this to Leo Verpigero. You can only do this to somebody like Chris Owings or Josh Van Meter or Drew Maggi or whoever you find. That is willing to come here knowing they're not going to be here for the whole year, right? Because you got to sign a guy like that who's willing to take a chance. And, right. and, 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 and understandably so. Yeah. I get it. We're all tired of seeing these guys, these kinds of guys. Sure. We've had to see it for years yeah. and we're tired of it. And fans are tired of it. So I get that totally. Um, it's just right now for the next. 60 days what else exactly are you would you like them to do about it like like i i I just don't know that there's much you can do or want to do about it until i mean what gary what do you think Uh, i don't like seeing him in the lineup but i also i mean i i I, I personally think that there's been a little bit of an overreaction to just how much Rodolfo Castro can't even fill in that shortstop or G1 Bay can't even fill in at shortstop. They're not great. But for one day off for Tucapita, they can play shortstop. Like, totally, I think yeah, probably. It's, it's an awful lot of nonsense to have to carry a guy like that who isn't giving you anything really. If you're really honest with yourself, isn't that great defensively either. He's really not. No, I I think, I don't think they're adding much by having him on the roster who comes up for him. I, I don't really have an idea for you. Well, I mean, that's what, that's really, really where I was getting to with it is like, I just don't know what, the real answer would be. I mean, it um, wouldn't be Andy. No, you know, it's like, that's, that's, that's not what you would do right now. And and it's really it's funny too how and maybe every fan base does this. I don't know. I'm only used to pirates dysfunction. <laughs> but you know, like if this was the biggest problem the pirates had, for as much as people talk about it, if this was the biggest problem they had, well, we wouldn't have any problems. So, you know, like, I get it. I just don't like beating a dead horse into the groundwork to to the point where it's more important than it really, really is. And I think that's what happens a lot. That's the key statement right there. And, you know, I, I mean, I mean to tell you, like, later this year, when they do start calling up some of these prospects, 
there will still be a worst player on this team. There always there will, will be. There will still be a worst player in the bullpen. There's now, always know, the worst brain surgeon. No, you all There's got all- your pound of flesh of, of Dwayne Underwood. Congratulations. I know you wanted it. You got your Chase to Young. He's gone. Will Crow's off on the IL. You're probably upset to find out that he's rehabbing right now. But you, you, you got those guys out, and guess what? There's still a worst player, isn't there? It reminds now, now me. it's Robert Stevenson, right? Yeah, now it reminds- it's Robert Stevenson you don't want to see anymore. He's a home run machine. Screw that 98-mile-an-hour fastball. It'll never come together. He, he's the one that's got to go. When you get rid of Owings and you get rid of Palacios, who's actually got pretty good numbers, believe it or not, um, despite probably still being your 23rd of your 26th man or whatever, you're, you're going to find a new one. And and it'll probably be Cabrian Hayes, or it'll be, you know, Jason DeLay, or it'll be... You know, whatever. Jack Swinski gets a lot of hate. You'll pick well, we, somebody. We've got Austin Hedges in our back pocket. He's always a good fallback once Owings is gone. To which I get. Look, I'm I'm just making light of it. It reminds me a little bit of like, I don't know. You watch? You ever watch Survivor or Big Brother <laughs> or the Real World for us old heads, where like everybody starts hating one person in the house? Yeah, yeah. And then, man, it's impossible for that person, right? They're dead. They're, so, like, it's Survivor Pirates edition. And, um, yeah, we anoint someone that we hate. And maybe it's justifiable, but that seems to be how it goes. Oh, it's every it's every sport and every fan base in the world. It's I mean, just the way it is. Just like in the office, there's always that one person that you don't like. Th- I think the good news is... Think about what I said to you that we got to get past these people and who who can we name Owings uh, Palacios, who you're saying is hitting pretty well, and maybe Austin Hedges, even though Austin Hedges is a good catcher for sure. Think about them all last year. <laughs> And Gamble, there was a time. Michael Chavis, and Yu Chang, and Yoshi Susugo, and uh, keep them going. Josh Van Meter. I mean, we could just do this all day long. With uh, and then the year before that, even more so. You know, so uh, this is a process, and this is part of the process in my mind. The process is getting these guys who were brought in at the beginning of the new regime um, and shepherding them into the major leagues. That takes five years. A good long time to do that. And, you know, teams with a lot of money would fill those gaps with five-year contracts for players so that when they get to the year five, they can get rid of them. Pirates don't do that. Instead, they go to the scrap heap and try to find their next, um, you know, Chad Bradford or whoever it is that they find off the, you know, out of, out of obscure, pluck out of obscurity, you know, right now it's working with Palacios. It's, it's not with Owings. When G-Man Choi comes back, one of them's going, you know, when Cruz comes back, the other one's going Santana's hitting the other one of them's not playing. Santana hasn't been hitting for a while, for a few days because of, I guess, injury. I forget what his injury is, but you know, these guys are going to go. They're not going to be here much longer because we're finally now at the point where people are pushing them out of the out of the roster. And let's be and honest, that wasn't the, the case last the cruise, year, the cruise injury has affected things very, very All much down the line. The line. Um, you know, it, it affects. I could make an argument. Tuki isn't here. If he, yeah, if I he mean, it's, there, there's there's a lot. 
that goes into that. You know, you lose his production and then you've got, then everyone else has to like find, then they're filling it with multiple guys and then they're not used to playing there. And then you've got to have someone else to give them a a break. And that's what I was saying. Like it really tested the depth and um, that went on into the pitching side of things, whether it was Choi or Brubaker, things like that, Garcia, Choi, people want to say, well, those guys stink. It still affects things like they're there. And yes, every team has injuries, but don't completely disregard the fact that those guys were meant to at least give you something resembling major league production, even if it was limited. Right. That's how you get to Chris Owings, by the way. <laughs> sure. So I just, I just think there's an awful lot of, uh, overreaction to a guy that you know in 20 plus days like 22 days in the major leagues racked up all of 25 plate appearances i just i'm sorry i think it's it's not worth as much as it's getting well and had they won had they gone 500 in may which they clearly did not then maybe we don't even hear about it as much but when you're when you're stinking bad as a team and then certain guys are really bad that's when this is what you see this is what you get (laughs) so arts queen here says always have to blame the one player that is terrible but also has the power to bring down the entire team (laughs) (laughs) okay yeah he's he's that He's, He's that absolutely bad. that right. It was Yu Chang last year. Here you go. Yu Chang, the king of dumpster fire. He had a good WBC. However, this is the one and only career highlight. I, I thought last year's dumpster fire was Josh Van Meter. I mean, I couldn't. No, stop. me too. I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't hear any more of people complaining about it. It was just so much. Can you, ima- <laughs> can you imagine awesome. if they would have kept Todd Frazier any longer than they did, oh, which was that spring training no. and then a little bit of a little bit of the season. Boy, that guy. Oh man. <laughs> and and, and it was a, it was a total jag too, by the way. He really was. He kicked everybody on the way out the door. That was a lot of yeah. fun. Hey, let's take another quick break, and then when we come back, let's pick up where we left off. We're going to talk a little bit about the lineup and, and some different things that we think they could do to jumpstart this offense, besides making a trade or promoting and Henry. And we are back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Dave is with us and Jim is with us. And we're going to definitely give Dave some time to tell us how he became a Pirates fan here in the last segment. Because I got a good question from one of you about how somebody makes that delusional journey. (laughs) So So let's let's start out with um, basically some ideas. Some ideas for how we can jumpstart this offense a little bit. You know, a few weeks back, they tried to put Kutch up in the leadoff spot. And I think 
to a degree, it had a little bit of an effect. He started getting on. They did start to kind of move some things around in the in the top of the order a little bit, at least as far as getting people on the bases and getting back in the practice of moving people around a little bit. Um, so it had some effect. Here's my pitch. I, and I put it on Twitter the other day. I think it may be the smartest thing you've ever said. Well, that, that, I, I'm serious. I'm serious. I said, I, hey, I said I do to my wife, Jim. Okay, well, <laughs> so let's just clearly uh, she's in earshot. Let's so just the second smartest on thing. that. Um, <laughs> Sports wise, it was Gary. This was so smart. But go I, ahead. I, what I want to do, I think, is just marry Jack Sawinski and Rodolfo Castro in the lineup back to back. And I don't care where you put them, but one of them can't hit lefties well. One of them can't hit righties well. I hadn't noticed. But if you on. put them both, but if you put them both together, and and whenever you move them up or down, you keep them a package deal. It'll it'll stop the bullpenning that we see so often around Jack Sawinski, because you can do that if you want, but Rodolfo's going to beat the hell out of you if you do, and you cannot. And get Rodolfo out, but Jack's a dangerous hitter if you leave a righty in. And I think just leaving the two of them in there will, will prevent a little bit of that late-inning monkey business we've seen that's made both of them ineffective. Dave, go. Listen, I'm going to die on this hill of uh, I think lineups have to be put together to maximize your potential to win a game. I don't care about... Uh, the, the, I left base. I, I stopped watching baseball for a few years. I came back with the Pirates, um, and all of a sudden, we're taking our best hitter and batting them lead off. And and I'm just not a person who thinks along those lines. I'm an old school baseball guy. Like I said, I think we got to build through. And the idea that you have there is how you do that kind of stuff. You you put a guy on base who can get on base and who can move over. You put a couple of guys behind him who can who can spray the ball into the gaps who can maybe move a runner over. You start building your lineup based on that, not based on, you know, we're going to get you right. a few extra home runs. If we put you in the lineup first, then, hey, you'll get 30 more at-bats and maybe five extra home runs. That doesn't mean anything to me. Like, I, I want a lineup that's going to win this game. And yeah, this you want them to play off each other. I totally get what you're saying. Each other, And I want them to learn how to, and I want them as a, you know, a guy who's coached a lot of sports I want them to develop that, you know, to know that that's what's going to happen as you as the season goes on. So well, first things first, let's have a lineup or two or three that we use in certain situations and let's stop rearranging everything, all of this, every single game, because after a while, it feels like you're just rearranging the deck chairs in the Titanic. Right. Instead of instead of actually making something good out of all this. Well, let me let me just play devil's advocate and push back a little bit. Sure. I feel like when he, when Derek Shelton feels like he has an answer, he sticks them and, and kind of leaves them go for the most part. He's had Brian Reynolds at number two for most of the season. When we got started, it was O'Neill Cruz, Brian Reynolds, Andrew McCutcheon, Carlos Santana. He left that top four go for weeks, you know, with, with nothing more than just a day off here or there. He was, he was trying to do that, I believe. But, but now, like, with the cruise injury and then 
you know, I just think there's been a lot of changes that they, they really don't have a true leadoff hitter. Yeah, Hayes' Hayes' lack of performance has has been a killer with yeah. when it comes to. And I, let me say, so I, I think he he will stick things when he feels like he has answers a little bit better, if that makes any sense. And and I don't know that yeah. we've really seen him have that yet for an extended period of time. Yeah, l- let me say something here too that Dave said that I that I want to touch on because I do think it's important. Sometimes we do get caught up in like chasing the extra at bats right throughout Mm -hmm. the season you're trying to get guys as many at bats as they can it is an interesting way to think about it is is do you want to chase those at bats or do you want the bats that you can have in your lineup having the most effective at bats every day in that lineup playing off each other working together are you gaining much if anything by trying it the first way, which, you know, that people seem to want to do today, which is, hey, let's just get them as many at-bats as we can. I, I don't know. I think it's an interesting question for sure. Right. And the other thing I love, Gary, about what you said about, like, tying Sawinski and Castro um, to the hip. Well, first of all, it gets them playing more, which I think a lot of fans – want to see with Castro is like, let's, let's let him play more. So like you're building in some protection for both of them. And I think it really helps whoever is in front of the other guy. Right. Because right. then that guy, and you could switch that around a little bit if you want to that based on the start, yeah, like, yeah, like flip flop that. So they both receive like, Hey, look, we already know the one thing Jack can do is his on base percentage is very good. He can mm-hmm. work a count. Now, now, now a pitcher, not only do they have to fear him from a power perspective, and they, they're trying to be fine, you know, be very fine with their pitches. Well, now all of a sudden you really can't do that because Castro is sitting there. If you want to walk him, well, now you've got a problem. And yes, that might change things later in the game. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Uh, that, that's, just I, how I, that's just how I'm, I'm looking at it. I thought of it because what I'm seeing a lot of opponents, at least the ones that are filthy rich with left-handers, there's a lot of bullpens that have a ton of left-handers. Um, and I wouldn't, and you, I wouldn't know what that's like here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, when you, well, when you come up against them though, they, they can do that dance with you. They can mm-hmm. make sure Jack never sees a right-handed, right. you know? And, and when you come up against that, and our division has a lot of those mind, by the way. So oh, good. Well, I'm I'm just saying it's yeah, if you want no, to win the division, I, yeah. if the division is super important to you, then this is a problem that needs solved. So what what the reason I thought of it is because what I see a lot of people do is they bring in that lefty to face Jack, and usually it's it's in a situation where you know you don't want him to make contact one way or another, right? Because there's a runner at third or there's a runner at second, and any kind of contact from him could be dangerous. So you're either going to walk him. Or you're going to get him to chase and strike him out. That's what you do with Jack Swinsky. You're not going to give him anything to hit. Well, go ahead and do that. But if you make it first and third, and then Rodolfo's up, and you're stuck with that lefty, God help you. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, that's what I want to see is just them make some pairs in the lineup. Like, maybe Kutch and Reynolds are always back-to-back. Maybe Rodolfo and Swinsky are always back-to-back. 
you know, maybe you make sure Santana is always at number five. So you always have a switch hitter right in the pivot point. There's, there's ways that I think they can do things where, where they can protect the lineup a little bit better than they do. I just don't see that. I see usually like the scrap end of the lineup just gets tossed in there. And it's usually like, uh, G1 Bay is going to go against a lefty today. Here you go. And we'll throw in Owings there and hedges. And that's what you got. And both of these guys we're talking about are so critical to what the Pirates are hoping to be. And you really need to try to help them both along as much as you possibly can. Because um, Swinsky's power is just something they don't have a lot of, especially in the outfield. Castro is a difference maker in, in the middle infield position with what he can bring. Man, you better be trying to cultivate and grow that as much as possible. So, you know, um, it's a decision yeah. year for Rodolfo, too. Yeah. You know, this is his third major league season. I know not full, but he's in his third major league season. You got to poop or get off the pot. Yeah. He's either going to be a starter or he's going to be a bench player. And, you better figure it out. The only way you figure it out is with the bats. Yep. We I said agree. before the season, 550. That's what we wanted to see. I think that we're, there's a few things we're missing here. <laughs> I mean, not us. I mean, that the Pirates are missing here is um, they really don't have a traditional leadoff hitter, uh, which I think would really help them a lot. And I just think that big dog in the yard, not having Cruz somewhere in that lineup that frightens pitchers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and please don't bat him at leadoff. That, yeah. That was driving me insane. But uh, I, be that as it may, you don't have that big dog in the yard. And I just feel like you need that. Carlos Santana's a decent average major league hitter and some of these guys are okay and i you know kutch is hitting out of his mind i mean mean, for the season i think he's been um, incredible you know but connor joe is a decent major league hitter got a lot of guys like that the one guy who frightens people outside of reynolds is not here and i and i think that that's that's a makes a big difference and once you get them in there you could slot them in there and like you're saying you start to come up with this pairing of players and you start you know protecting each other you start letting the lineup protect itself which is the way we always did it right for a hundred years let the lineup protect itself and uh for now i i think we're still trying to find all that but like i said i think Cruz and hayes's lack of production is just Ooh, that's yeah. a lot of what's what, what went wrong in May, really. The irony Here. of all this is 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 just that it is it is amazing in a way that they are above five hundred with Cruz being gone for pretty much the whole season at this point and Hayes doing what he's doing. I don't think like pirate fans probably would have taken that. It's just how it unfolded. Gary, go ahead. Now we got a question here. Why not Bay lead off? And I mean, I think we've talked about this before. His on-base percentage hasn't been very good. He's got to have that. Um, I personally think he needs to show that he's got a little bit more mental capacity on the base paths than he has shown. And what I mean by that is not just getting caught stealing. That's aggressiveness gone awry or missed, uh, missed signs or missed pitches on hit and runs and whatnot. That's not necessarily straight steals going badly. Um, 
the pickoffs though and just the 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 really wide turns when you don't need to make them or the you know just being aggressive just because you want to look aggressive rather than like having purpose to it things like that i think need to get cleaned up a little bit if you just want to get a speedster up there first of all i would recommend to Peter marcano he's somebody he's playing, that comes to mind he's mm-hmm. playing more often up there uh, he's playing more often in the field He's hitting pretty well. I wouldn't mind seeing what he could do up there for a little bit. If nothing else, I think he just gives you a little bit more options. He can bunt for a hit up there. He can walk. He can slap one the other way. He can even pop one every once in a while. I just like the element of having him up there. I will say that Bay now, he he does have his on base percentage up around 330. So you're starting to get in that conversational territory um, that's aided by him playing better mm-hmm. of late at the plate. And I yep. think the other thing is too, like people, and this is a stat I really wish that baseball would keep more track of or highlight more. When you've got a guy that's like a leadoff hitter. Okay, great. The traditional leadoff hitter isn't the same as it used to be. And you're not looking for the same type of things as you did 20 years ago. Okay, fine. But what you do need out of guys that bat leadoff is you need a guy that sees pitches. They need a guy that starts to work counts, see pitches. You need that throughout the lineup, by the way. Well, that's why Koch has worked up there. Right, right. Like, um, that's easier said than done to find that. But I don't think people think about that aspect of it. I would love to see st- stats with, hey, this guy has seen X amount of pitches this this game. X well, amount of pitches out of the leadoff spot, third, you know, the third spot. Because it's it it's such a crucial part of the game for you as that hitter and your whole lineup and how they start to attack things. That's a great argument for why Marcano probably wouldn't work up there. He's an ambush hitter, and he loves going after that first pitch. Well, that's what made me think of it, too. Well, if you take that off of him like and tell him that he no longer can do that for the good of the team, I think you change his effectiveness. Yes, it's a a tough spot. Maybe they do end up settling on Bay. Again, I think I need to see the base running cleaned up first. I I agree. I I had no idea what it was, so that's why I went and looked, and it has creeped up into acceptable territory, at least on that front. I think there's a a couple of things with Bay, uh, and and it all kind of comes down to, to me, it looks like he's a, like a raw talent and he's, he looks, he plays very young. Uh, You know, if you were, right. If you were, if you were a high school coach, he plays like a great freshman. Yeah. You know, he, he, he makes a lot of silly mistakes and so, and one he's of two technically things, challenged, right? One of two things happen with those guys. They make improvements and they become great major leaguers or they bust. And here's, he's, here, I'm going to not interrupt here, except, you know, Matro Speck here says, I think Bay has done well in center field. I do too. But if you really watch baseball, and I mean like really watch baseball, a lot of those really crazy running catches wouldn't have to be so really crazy if he got a better jump or went <laughs> the right still makes it in the first he, place. He still makes yeah. a great play. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But that's it's what we're, just, that's yeah. what we mean by he needs polish. That's where mm-hmm. we're saying like, For he's sure. not technically sound and he doesn't like make a catch in position to make a throw. And he, you he, know, just little things that like that, yeah. but that's what kids do. And, yeah, and like, so none of this guy equals, I think he stinks. This equals, he's a kid. Yeah, this is stuff that needs ironed out. 
you gotta tame you gotta tame that horse a little bit that, right. that that's a little wild stallion in so him. bring on the obligatory why don't they teach that in triple a comments and then we'll get to that next week as a topic yeah to finish this week out i think we need to give dave a chance to tell us how in the world <laughs> a lifelong yankees fan following the tradition of murderers row yeah. And all of the wonderful history and accomplishments guy, of that organization. The guy went to bed on a Derek Jeter pillow every night and just slept so soundly. Oh, oh. I'm way older than that. Oh, okay. You're <laughs> way back before that. Okay. Well, then. Uh, went to bed on a Thurman Munson pillow. I was just going to say Thurman Munson comforter. Yeah. R.I.P. Maybe Don. But, uh, now, see, know. I remember Thurman Munson from Nick at Night showing reruns of Home Run Derby. One, yeah, one of my very first memories as a kid in Yankee Stadium, uh, I mean, I've got a few of them, it was being at the game after Thurman Munson died where Bobby Mercer went absolutely crazy. And it was I, I didn't I was very young. I, I understood what was going on, but it was it was almost too emotional. Right. For a kid at that age. But wow. uh, that I go back to that. I, my first memories are Bucky Dent and Reggie Jackson and Ron Guidry and Sparky Lyle and that whole team, which was. You know, I think if I were older, I probably would have thought a little less of them than I, than I do now as kids because it was a crazy team. I mean, that, you know, Billy Martin fighting in the dugout with Reggie Jackson. I mean, those were all fun days, a lot of fun to get through that. Well, and the that, great thing about no, getting to know Dave here is that I've, I have understood his appreciation for history. <laughs> and so as he's come to being a Pirates fan, another organization with a very rich and long history. Yeah, you didn't just come here and pick up where you where you started. You started looking backward right away. <laughs> right. I mean, I you know I I I I gave a baseball away. I I was a only a baseball fan for most of my young life. Certainly into my teens, into my twenties, the nineties. Obviously, Yankee teams. I mean, that was what we lived and died by. We went to games all the time. We were we were crazy Yankee fans. Then a lot of stuff went pretty south pretty fast that uh really bothered me about not only the yankees but also baseball um the mitchell report and some of those things that really uh -huh. left a bad taste in my mouth and then when they tore down my ballpark guys i was done with them and replaced it with a glorified um you know, uh, food court at a mall, which is what it's like when you walk around. It's Yankee a cookie State. cutter. It it's is. a terrible ballpark and it we is. paid a fortune for it. And we had one of the great ones there was. So I just sort of stopped watching baseball or following it, but not really into it. I the Yankees just, you know, and then listen, you're going to find this funny, but as the Yankees began, they were always considered the one that had the most money. Right. Yep. But they really took that to the nth degree after 2000 right yes. that's so the giambi contract Aaron, I, I, alex rodriguez's extension that was when i had enough so a friend of mine who got a job who was working in baseball and worked for a couple of other teams got a job with the pirates and my mom used to have a little picture in her room of roberto clemente she loved Roberto Clemente. She loved Bobby Richardson of the Yankee second baseman and Roberto Clemente were the two baseball people that she had pictures of, although she claimed to be a Giants fan grow growing up. Neither one of them Giants. I have no idea why that was so confusing. But so she <laughs> so as soon as my friend became Pirates fan, I'm like, yeah, that's how I get back into baseball through this franchise, through this club who I have always respected. I mean, I, I I go back to the Dave Parker days. I I I always loved that team, 
I can't tell you how much Sid Bream bothered me, uh, how much that that series <laughs> bothered me. Uh, I because I love that team. I love that team, that '90s team of of, uh, of the Pirates. So it was like he had worked for another team before that I really couldn't swallow. And then <laughs> I wonder. Hmm. And then I got this job, and I'm like, okay, wonder I why. They start work for two. We're teams. being cryptic, I and I know, <laughs> but 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 David, you it's added some weight for you because oh, you, you know it's big a time. it's it's personal now, and you know so that's it's it's kind of cool. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, um, you have to you have to come slumming with the pirates, but uh, we, we but, like having you on board. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like the the other thing that blew me away when I first started going to pirates games a few years back. Not only was is the ballpark just amazing and the whole experience around it amazing, but I remember bringing my kid in there and ushers stopping him. Hey, how are you? Is this your first game? They yeah. give him th- that stuff doesn't happen at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Not even if you're paying $500 for the seat. That stuff doesn't happen at Yankee Stadium. I mean, it used to ages ago, but it doesn't happen anymore. So it's like right. baseball took on a whole new thing. It reminded me of. Coming to those games reminded me what it felt like walking into Yankee Stadium in 1981, you know, or something like that. And and knowing the guy's name who sat next to you, you know, or or the bleacher creatures were all the same or, you know, the, the ushers who cleaned off your your seat for you and those kind of things that happened back then that made baseball sort of the storied thing it that is, it is. It's not it, to me. That's back in Pittsburgh for me. It, it is a bit of that old timey feel when you do go to a park and my son's yeah, uh, he's young and he gets about two or three different hugs or high fives from particular ushers. He knows right. that remember him. And um, so that's, that's a cool element that sad to say you don't get at a lot of places. See, anymore. I hug the ushers. They just tell me to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, we got to get, we almost, we almost got kicked out one time, but that's okay. Well, I don't bring cash anymore. I want to leave a tip. <laughs> you know. You're, you hug with tips or you tip with hugs. That's right. Yes. It's a loving thing down at PNC Park. You know, we used to to get really good seats when we first started coming to Pittsburgh. Really good. And so I decided, no, I wanted to get like, I just wanted to get a regular ticket in the state. Because it was just the experience in the ballpark. Even when there was nobody there, you know, and I've been to a few games. There was nobody there. Tuesday night games or something. And you guys, I'm sure, have been to many of those. Uh, You know, my favorite ones to go to. uh, Me too. Me too. Uh, you know, I just love sitting out in that center field, sitting at the rail at that bar and the kid on the pirate ship and the beers behind you. And I mean, yeah, that doesn't happen in big markets. It just doesn't, guys. It does, I mean, it's a different kind of thing. Now, I understand we also pay $300 million for players. And I know that there's a good part of being a, 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 yeah. a, a big market team fan, but uh, uh, it's not like this. And yeah, it's personal for me with this team. And it's just been so much fun. I just, I just loved it. I, and and I, my house is full of pirate stuff now. And my kid is a pirates fan. And even if my, the friend of ours doesn't work for them anymore, I don't see them ever going back to anything else. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, not rooting for the pirates. It's just been, it's you're, you're all in now. I'm all in now. <laughs> well, welcome aboard, Dave. It's, it's great to have you. And, uh, Love for you to give a little plug because I am sure 
I'm not the only person that watches the curse of Oak Island and they would love your podcast. So make sure that you tell people about it and you and know your music. And you know, what's so funny, Gary is um, today. I just got a couple of emails from listeners too on the same day, which is strange. Thanking me for plugging your show on mine a couple of weeks ago because Sweet. they're Pirates fans who are not in Pittsburgh anymore, who've moved away and can't get coverage. Mm-hmm. And so they listen to you guys. And they're, they're, I got that from two different guys all in one day. Uh, the podcast is about Oak Island. You all I'm sure you know what that is. It's called Digging Oak Island. Um, we go through the history and all that with Oak Island. I'm um, also a musician. Um, you can go to Dave McBride Music and find that stuff there. I'm a DJ, a DJ at a radio station in uh, Western, Jeez. Eastern Pennsylvania, Western Jersey. I DJ a couple times a week there. So it's, uh, I do a lot of stuff. Very talented. Guy. Makes, Music's makes actually me a lot of money, which drives my wife nuts. Music's <laughs> actually pretty chill too. Like check it out. Yeah. I, I actually really dug it. Um, it's got an Island theme. A lot of it. Very much so. Yeah. Little I, new Orleans. Do little, it. Some of it. That's pretty coming. good stuff. More that coming. <laughs> Hey, great episode. Jim, you got anything else, man, before we close up? I actually do, Gary. I'm not real good at this, so just bear with me, everybody. Um, I don't know if everybody has seen the Travis Swaggerty thing uh, with yeah. what's going yeah. on with him uh, and his family. But I want to touch I want to touch on that for a second. I know we've, we've run over, but um, Life is hard and they've got some, his wife has got some health issues. She's hopefully getting some, we'll get some answers um, soon about that. Um, You guys can go to Travis, put something out about it last night. Um, Having been in that situation uh, in the last 10 years, um, I just know that um, that's a scary time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I just want to send out my best wishes to him, to his family, to his wife, Peyton, that uh, she gets to feeling better soon and gets some of the answers that we would all desperately want. And I desperately want it for them. So um, it just something that uh, hit close to home for me. And um, these guys are human beings and they have lives and they have families and we need to remember that more often. So that's what I wanted to say. I'm pulling for those guys. I don't think I can add anything significantly better than that. So I'm going to let you have the final note there. And we'll just end the show with Ben, as we usually do for you audio folk and for the video folk. Let's go, Bucks! Let's go, Bucks!